Well, Rick said there'd only be like 80 people here tonight. <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing how thirsty you get when you stand in front of 200 people. Uh, uh, before I get started, I just wanted to point out the, uh, the beautiful decorations we have here. Uh, Pat posted an incredible job. And uh, just in case you were wondering, uh, they are not Christmas decorations. There are, there are no lights on. Uh, this, this is an acorn squash. So technically, uh, we are still celebrating Thanksgiving uh, for all of you <laughs> Thanksgiving purists out there. You know who you are. Uh, this is still a Thanksgiving set. That is an acorn squash. I think it's an acorn squash. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, my name is Lauren, and I'm normally stuck behind a guitar or a piano, uh, but they let me out tonight, so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Uh, so thank you, Rick, and, and, and the elders and the leadership for the uh, opportunity uh, to preach here, and it was great hearing all those things that you guys are thankful for, so I thought I would share a little bit about what I'm thankful for, and I'm really thankful for all of you guys, and I'm not just saying that uh, so that you'll hopefully laugh at my jokes a little bit, but I'm, I'm serious. I wish you could have been in my house uh, April 1st. We had just um, suffered a, a devastating miscarriage, um, but every time the, door, the doorbell rang, another set of flowers were there. Every time we opened up the mailbox, more sympathy cards were there. Uh, phone calls from 800 miles away. It felt like we were just being, being held by you guys, and it, it was wonderful. And even today, as we're going through this, uh, this spinal tumor uh, scariness, uh, and Lizzie is actually probably in an MRI tube right now in Cleveland, um, just the love, the thoughts, the prayers, the hugs uh, that you guys have been been showing to me and my family, it has uh, really, truly been amazing. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, so as I was thinking about you know, everything that I'm thankful for, looking back on the year, uh, I started to think about, well, when was the last time I preached? And so I looked back at my file, and it was, a, it was a funeral. I said, oh, okay, let me go back one more. Um, <laughs> it was a funeral, too. So I've been preaching a lot of funerals lately, and, I, and I'm going to try really hard not to make you cry tonight. Um, but I, I want to make a connection here right up front. You've probably heard a, a Christian saying, a Christian you saying, you have to die to self. Or maybe something else, you, you have to lose your life to find it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we did a skit right here um, with Jim Malco and, and Jana Linsing about about the altar of self-sacrifice, how hard it was to find and how even scarier it was to get on that altar of self-sacrifice. And just an aside, does, does Jim Melko remind anyone else of Bob Newhart, or is it just me? <laughs> I mean, it is just uncanny. But that, that self-sacrifice, so I, I want to give you one more. Um, you probably have heard this line too. You don't know what you have till it's gone. You guys have heard that. You're probably thinking about something right now. You've maybe even, even lost something this year, maybe a loved one, a family member, a, a relationship, a job, a, a pet, uh, your health. You know what that feels like, and I, I know that pain too. I've walked that pain this year alongside of you. And it's with that kind of uh, mindset that I want to look at our scripture tonight, um, would you open up your Bibles and uh, turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through uh, 18, and they'll be on the screens if you don't have one. 
Heavenly Father, would you open our eyes to see your truth? Would you open our heart to experience your love? And would you give us the strength to apply it to our lives and to follow your will? In your name I pray, amen. Uh, So we pick up this text, and uh, David has gathered all the Israeli officials uh, together, kind of like what we do here for the annual business meeting. All the who's who of Israel, all the head honchos, are uh, they're coming together uh, because David needs to talk to him. Uh, you see, God has given David this this vision of of a temple, an incredible temple, a massive temple, and God has given him uh, the, bl- the blueprints, uh, the the building order, what everything that is going to go into this temple down to the the last wooden peg, God has given to David. But then God kind of threw a caveat in there. He said, uh, "Hold on one second. You can't build this temple." change it up a little bit. So David says, uh, okay, how about my son, Solomon? He's going to build this temple. All right. So he gets everyone together, and he says to them, you know that that temple I've been uh, ranting about? Yeah, well, I want to build it. Well, actually, Solomon's going to build it, but I'm going to need your help. You see, Solomon is young. He is green. He has never built a temple before. In fact, he's never been king before. He is going to need your help, your support. And oh, by the way, and you always, you never, you never lead with this. You always end with this. It's going to cost a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, a lot of money. Uh, but David believed in this building project so much, this temple, that he said, I'm going to show you how, how dedicated I am to this. And he laid down his treasure right there. This was, this was his, uh, his savings account, his, his rainy day fund. If... If Israel would ever go through a famine and uh, the people were starving, this is the fund that he would buy their food from. It was massive. And he laid it down. He, he was all in. He was fully committed. You know, he was on that wire with no net underneath. And here's the cool part of the story. God showed up right here. The Holy Spirit showed up right here because soon after that, other people started to lay down their treasure. And I'm not just using the word treasure because it's a synonym for money, but actual treasure like like diamonds and gold and, and fine jewels, they were just dumping it out onto the floor. And King David was amazed, just amazed. And that's where we pick up our scripture. David gets up in front of everyone, starting in verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks, and we praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who, who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow, without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for for building you a temple for your holy name 
comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And I'm gonna go on, just two more verses. Verse 19 says, and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build this palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. The word of God. So tonight I want to look at three things in this passage. First, wholehearted generosity. Second, uh, thankful praise. And third, how, how do you stay in that moment? How do you hold on to those desires and thoughts? How do we do that? Uh, let's start at the top. Uh, wholehearted generosity. Now, you might think you, you see a lot of wholehearted generosity, especially around this time. Uh, maybe you have recently texted $10 to the Red Cross to help those uh, going through the hurricane relief in the Philippines. Uh, or maybe you reached down into the, uh, the depths of your purse and pulled out some change and threw it in a red jar as you were leaving a department store in which you just spent hundreds of dollars. Or, or maybe even right here, you were in our gym a few weeks ago as we packed meals for those less fortunate than us. That is, that's, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. That is not wholehearted generosity. That is what I would call altruism, doing, doing good things. Now, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with that. In fact, we need a lot more of that in this world because there's way too many bad things in this world. The more, we, the more good we can do, the better, but that is not wholehearted generosity. Wholehearted generosity is not something that we can do. It comes from God. And it might be easy to look at this passage that we just read, or maybe if you go back tonight and read beforehand and say, well, you know what? King David, he was just a really good fundraiser. He had an awesome ability to whip a crowd into a frenzy and raise what, really whatever he wanted. And these Israelites, they were just, they were just really good people just kind of getting together uh, to raise some money for the local church, for the local building fund, you know, because we, we, we want a good church to represent our nation. That, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. That would only be half the picture. That would kind of assume that uh, they're doing something for the glory of themselves, which was pretty rampant in that day and age. 2,000 years ago in Babylon, uh, they built a long, high tower to literally raise man to the status of God. Or just down the road in Egypt, they build these massive pyramids uh, to bury their kings and their pharaohs and, and stuff it full of treasure in hopes that one day they could go to the afterlife uh, with him. They kind of coined that, uh, that cheesy t-shirt, he who dies with the most toys uh, in the biggest pyramid. Well, they still die and we've dug them up and found their toys. So that doesn't work. 
But King David, he understands this. He understands this generosity. It's a God thing. It makes you step back in amazement. Sure, a good speech might be able to raise a couple hundred bucks, maybe even a couple grand, but to get people to lay down their treasure, their 401k, their emergency fund, you know, that, that financial guy, he would, he would not be happy with this that's going on. Dave Ramsey would not uh, appreciate this little fundraiser right here. Throwing it all down on the line. That's not a man thing. That's a God thing. And we, and we see that elsewhere in the Bible, too. Uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on the, uh, the Israelites in Jerusalem, in the second chapter of Acts, they're overcome with generosity, and they begin to share with one another as they have need. But if I'm honest with you tonight, generosity like that kind of scares me. It, it's not natural for me. That's not, not my first inclination. You know, I, I need to make sure my pocket is full before I start helping someone else fill their pocket. And if you're anything like me, you get that. You understand that. And so does David. He says, who am I? Who are these people? God, are these the same Israelites? We should not be able to give like this. But that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? When you come face to face with the power of God, you are transformed. You're transformed from selfish, selfish people into selfless people. Before, when, when money was a, a status symbol for you, when it was security for you, now, in the eyes of God, you see it for what it really is. It's all God's. The gospel changes you. It all goes back in the box anyway, right? We're just passing through. The gospel, the power of God, can change you into wholehearted, generous people. Have you experienced that? Now imagine the, the energy in that place, the excitement in that room as, as all of this was happening. And that, that leads me to my second point, a thankful praise. So in the, you've, uh, you've, you've heard stories, maybe even seen this happen, uh, random acts of kindness. Give someone a, a cold drink of water. Or maybe you've been in the grocery store when you've seen someone pay for the groceries of someone behind them. What happens? They're, dumb, they're dumbstruck. They're, they can't believe it. What, what's the catch? Is there a camera somewhere around there? Uh, the reaction is to just be so thankful. And we see it in the, in the Bible as well. Uh, Jesus heals a blind beggar, and immediately, what does this guy do? He turns around and starts to praise God, starts to praise Jesus. We are reactionary people. And David sees all this excitement, and he's amazed and he's blown away, and he gets up in front of everyone, and he starts praising God. Uh, now, we could start to dissect this section of Scripture and, and talk about the nice little acronym and, and the order in which his praise goes and, and how it all fits together, but that's all good, but you could easily lose sight of the forest for the trees. The, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God has just come down in a major way. The Israelites, who just a few generations ago 
were Egyptian slaves. And, and even less than that were, were going through the desert and would turn their back from God at the slightest inconvenience. These same Israelites were giving their all to God right here. God was moving. And, and King David reacts with praise. We are reactionary people. And, and it's only natural, right? When, when something really good happens to you, uh, a new car, a new job, a new relationship, uh, a new puppy, and you just can't contain the joy inside, you, you know what you do. You update your status on Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm guilty. And, that, and that's a whole other sermon. Uh, <laughs> but we, we want to let everyone know. And... And let's just call a spade a spade. Really, you're just bragging about yourself. You're like, look at me. Look at what I have just done. Uh, look at all these cool things that I'm doing. Uh, and if that's not enough, I'll show you a picture. And guess what? I can make that picture look actually better than what it really looked like in real life. And if that's not enough, I've got a 15-second movie to show you how great it was. Facebook. Smiley face. Love it. But if I'm honest, my eyes can become so calloused. And it's easy for me to toot my own horn, to look at my own accomplishments, the, the, the things that I have done, the things that I have seen and, and created and experienced, and lose sight of the fact that it's all God's. I mean, I would, I would hate to go back and look over a year's worth of Facebook updates and see what they were. That would be pretty eye-opening. Who do you give the glory to in your life, the good things that happen in your life? Who is glorified in your Facebook updates? Who is your life praising? Do you realize that it's all God's? That everything we have, every good thing we have comes from God's? And here's the great thing. We are reactionary people. When we realize that, we start to live a life of praise. So how do you stay there? How do you stay in that moment? Well, one of my favorite shows is uh, Extreme Weight Loss Edition. Anyone seen that? It's, it's this great show with this really charismatic, just ripped guy. Uh, and he goes around the country helping, helping people that are morbidly obese. I mean, they're morbidly obese. Helps them to change their lives. It's a pretty cool show. They've, they've, it's follow them for a whole year, and uh, he flies out to their house and actually starts to live with them. Lives with them for, uh, for a while, and, and they are working out like madmen, three, four, five, six hours a day. I mean, the weight starts falling off like the hair off our pastoral staff. I mean, it's just, <laughs> just gone. I mean, you can't even see it. Where did it go? No one knows. But eventually... Chris leaves. Three months later, he leaves. And they've got to follow the, uh, the workout regimen, the diet regimen, the prescriptions that, that Chris has gave, given them so that they can reach the goals that both of them are looking for. And they struggle. It's a struggle. And for about 10 minutes after I get done watching the show, I, I don't want to eat anything bad, but about 15 minutes after, Chip finds its way into my hand again. And that's, that is the same boat that David finds himself in. 
Israel just experienced a life-changing move of the Holy Spirit, transforming them from selfish people into selfless people. And this is what David says in verse 18. He says, Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. What a great prayer. We need to pray that prayer more often. It reminds me of that song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And if I'm honest with you, I need it more than that. What about you? Wholehearted generosity. It's a God thing. It can only come from God. Thankful praise. The reaction that we have when we realize that it's all God's. And that passionate prayer says, God, help Israel. Help me. God, help us to remember this moment to keep our desires and thoughts on you forever. Because just like you, when tonight's done, I'm gonna go home and there's gonna be laundry to fold. There's gonna be bills to pay. That turkey doesn't cook itself, right? I got things to do, things to worry about. God, help me to remember that it's all yours. I told you the last sermon I preached was a funeral, and uh, my favorite part of the funeral is uh, everyone comes together and sits down and uh, kind of tell them why we are here, and I say, we are here to celebrate so-and-so's life, to put a tremendous exclamation mark at the end of this life here as they continue the journey onwards. It's the last verse of uh, our passage. David says this. Well, it's more of a command, really. It says, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. And we're going to do that tonight. The band's going to start coming up here. It's uh, a code word for band, come on up. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to take some time. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to bring the lights down uh, so you're not worried about who's around you. And we're just going to praise God. Now, I realize we are uh, a bunch of Norwegians here. Uh, and, uh, sorry, Swedes. Um, Scandinavian, big brush. Bunch of Scandinavians here. And when I say the words, prostrate yourself before God, you say, sorry, not me. I can't make you do anything, but I want to challenge you. Uh, have you ever been to, if you've ever been to Israel and you've been to the Wailing Wall, you see people moving as they are praying. They are taking the Shema, Deuteronomy 6 6, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your strength, all your mind, literally. I challenge you tonight. Take a, take a posture of prayer, take a posture of praise. Maybe that's kneeling down. Maybe that is prostrating yourself before God, or simply just turning your palms upwards, saying, God, I surrender. It's all yours. It's all yours. Everything is yours. You know, I, uh, I started tonight with that, with that one saying, you don't know what you have until it's gone. But let me just turn that around for you just a little bit. 
you don't realize what you have until you know that it's God's. You don't realize what you have until you know that it's God's. It's so hard to do. So tonight, as we sing, as we pray, as we think about, as we meditate on all that we are thankful for, all that God has given us. Remember that it's all His. And let's react like we see here in this story with passionate, heartfelt, thankful praise. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the wonderful stories we heard tonight. Lives changed, hearts renewed, redemption What a beautiful thing. And so God, as we come together to sing your praises, would you move in this place? Would you move in our hearts? Would you keep our desires and our thoughts on you forever? Would you keep our hearts loyal to you? you continue to bless us as you have so richly done throughout this year.